the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I like to say there's really not that much that you have to do to become a better investor, but I guess the more I think about this, the more there is sometimes things to go. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Got to start the show. Here we go. Thank you. Um, there's really not that much that you have to do. There's just little things that you could do along the way to really make things even better. I found myself laughing at myself for giving some awkward investment advice this week, like, well, you didn't save enough for retirement, so try to stay healthy. Brush your teeth. I know you're saying, brush your teeth. Yeah, if you can get one of those uh, water picks for your kids, anything you can do to get your kids to 20 without cavities, it goes a long way. And insurance on teeth isn't the best, nor is it the most effective. And Long story short, invest in your own health, whether it be your weight, with diabetes, with a heart attack, um, or brushing your teeth. Another piece of advice, go to Home Depot this weekend and get a lemon tree or a lime tree. You can get a lemon tree or a lime tree for five, ten bucks, and you'll easily get hundreds of lemons and limes off those trees. If you have enough sun in your yard. If not, then, you know, eh. or enough sun on your balcony or just enough sun in your life. I suppose... Uh, there's other plants that you could probably plant that have more medicinal uses and resale value, but I'm sticking with the lemons and limes for myself. So simply, if you want to create wealth, you have to start thinking of it in different ways. You can't think of it automatically as this is how I'm going to do it. I got an email this morning from a guy who's in high school, and he wants to intern already. And, you know, wait, be patient. You don't have to figure it out today. It will come. When you're in high school, things change a lot. Most important thing I could say is push your kid in college because that's where you figure things out. College isn't about the four-year experience. It's about having some time and some patience and, and learning who you truly are. At least it was for me. Um, you know, my sociology class? Eh. Sociology class, all I got out of that was... Well, I had to show up for nine weeks in a row or 15 weeks in a row, whatever it was at the time. Over the last couple of decades, I've seen a lot of really good advisors out there. I've seen a lot of really bad advisors. And one of the things that I, I know most is that you should be in charge of you. Your parents hopefully push you towards college. That helps. Then in your 20s, you have to start saying, you know what? Credit card debt's not cool. Going to a rave is fun. Absolutely. But it's pricey. So 
Just about everywhere you look today, there's people who are willing to tell you, here's how you do it, here's how you do it, do it my way, do it my way, do it my way. I'm one of the very few people that will say for a very long period of time you should do it your way. Then later in life, if you want to get a little bit crazy, a little bit, you know, shaken up, a little bit different, uh, go that direction. I'm all for that. Got an email today from someone who's like, look at the last 10 years of what gold's done. Look at the last 10 years of what the stock market's done. If you were smart, you'd put everything into gold. This guy's going to lose. A, because he thinks he's right. B, because he doesn't have a plan. B. And C, he's judging everything on the last 10 years. If you look at any asset class, you fool, what you'll see is there's always a period of outperformance. Gold underperformed for about 2,000 years. And then he decides that he's going to take a look at it as it bounces off its bottom. As soon as the Fed starts raising interest rates, this guy's going to get murdered. But hey... We need that. The old Darwinian wood chipper, we need stupid people. The world is full of stupid people. And I used to think stupid people were people like, uh, well, there's Iron Men on ESPN who carry rocks up hills or carry logs on their back. You're like, what are you, what are you doing that for? they got trucks that do that now. But hey, you want to throw your back out? Fine by me. When the young lassies come around and they need an able man with a strong back, I'm your man. Young lassies look for men with strong backs. Old lassies look, or old lads look for lassies with, with birthing hips, right, and teeth. My new requirement for the record, it used to be 32 teeth. I'm down to 30. I've lowered my standards. But you must have an implant. Are you with me against it? Because you have to choose a side. This is a civil war. So one of the things I would do if I were to be truly a smart investor, I would look for every other smart investor in the history of smart investing. Not one single one of them is a gold bug. Not one single one. You know, maybe like a George Soros is the closest thing. He shorted the British pound once. He was right. Took a $10 billion bet. In one day, he made a billion dollars. Had he not, he might be the worst investor of all time. But that's okay. Peter Lynch. He ran the most successful mutual fund. He was a bit of a jerk. Had him on my radio show 14 years ago, my national radio show. Not the kindest guy to the producer. And then he gets on the air and he's like, Hello, I'm Peter Lynch. I'm sweet. He ran $20 million under management all the way up to $14 billion. He beat the SP 511 out of 13 years. Would he still be able to do it today? Probably not. But one of his vices was avoid long shots. Good management's important. Buy good businesses. Now, if I were to tell you... You know, the last five to ten years of the Oakland Raiders 
versus the last five years of the San Francisco 49ers or the New York Giants or the New England Patriots. You'd be like, yeah, that, that New England Patriots, they got a great coach. I wish he was my coach. That Bill Belichick guy. They got that owner, Robert Kraft. His wife died and the whole team wore patches and he just seems like a sweet guy. And isn't he the guy who invented the Schick razor or the electric razor? I like him. He's good looking. Tom Brady. So success or failure starts at the top. And that's why Peter Lynch is saying. There's always something to worry about. The first thing you have to worry about is inflation. So the guy who buys all the gold, he's right if inflation goes up. So what's he going to do for bread? What's he going to do for rent? What's he going to do for cars? Is he going to go out and use an ounce of gold? (laughs) Here, good merchant, please, car dealership, take my ounce of gold. And people will be like, what? Weirdo. And anyone who buys gold coins into the Darwinian wood chipper, in large part, why? Because gold coins have 30% markups to buy, 30% markups to sell. You ruin the gold when you mint it into a coin. Except the program. Sir John Templeton. He talked about diversification. He was the ultimate bargain hunter. I'm Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black. Try to stop buying things like Snuggies, it's good financial advice. You live without bottled water. Bottled water is one of the most expensive products on the planet, especially considering there's a cheaper alternative in your tap. Hey, maybe the tap does have lead poisoning in it. Maybe you will die sooner than later. But then again, maybe the bottled water does too. So when you work with financial people, they don't always have your best interest in mind. And there's one guy out there who touts his performance, then he can't provide his performance, and that's weird. So it's like, come work with me. I've got performance numbers. And then you're like, okay, can I see your performance numbers audited? No. Figure out exactly how much you need to make your financial dreams a reality. It's a dumb phrase, but it's true. This stuff doesn't happen easily. When I was 18 years old, I said to make my financial dreams a reality, it's going to take at least $1 million dollars because I knew that I could live off $40,000 a year adjusted for inflation and still probably do okay. I wanted to have that by the time I was 35, 36, and I did. But then those dreams turn into nightmares when you get married. And you realize that, well, she likes going to Mexico. Oh, and by the way, she's... A model, and, well, she likes the attention of other men. So that marriage doesn't exactly work out. Boo! But I had the foresight of keeping assets separate. 
And I had the foresight of saying, you know, if you want to get this really super ugly, we can, and I'll make you look bad to you, your family, and friends, or we can go through a mediator. So I kind of bullied her a little bit. But she was the one who reached out to the French guy in the middle of the night, not me. Um, so it, it, it ultimately went kind of well. It did. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, at the time, it was tragic. But your dreams change. And let's say you want to get married and have a couple kids. That's inexpense. It's not a cheap item. So do you know how much it's going to take to fund your dreams? My dream at 18 was to work till I was 35 and then, you know, take my foot off the pedal. I saw my dad literally work till the day he died. And it's not good. Um, do you have a plan with which you can reasonably get to that goal? Once you get the goal of a million dollars, you can start doing the math of how much it's going to take per month with different rates of return, 4%, 6%, 8%, 10%. And then you can start funding it. You can start figuring it out. If you need 4%, you can go after bond funds. You can go after, you know, income funds, value funds. If you need more like 8%, 10%, you're going to have to go after more growth than income or growth funds. Are you using the right tools? That's a good question. Index funds, mutual funds, hedge funds, no. There's a guy on radio who likes private REITs, and private REITs are, to me, private equity. Another word for private equity is venture capital. Most people shouldn't be buying private equity. Unless you're, unquote, an accredited investor. There's actually a radio show that I, I read recently back in the mid-2000s, mid got fined by the SEC because they had a hedge fund, and they didn't realize that everyone's not allowed into a hedge fund. So the quote was pretty funny when you read, we didn't know. Wow. So, as an investor or someone who works with an investor, are you disciplined? You can't have someone who's panicky. You can't. You can't have someone who likes the hot at the moment, the church of what's working now. A couple years ago, you heard me on this radio station say, we need the financials to lead us higher. Look at what the financials have done in that couple of years. And you have to have decisive issues, and you have to be a decisive leader. You can't look for one solution fits all. You know, the people at Kiyosaki, what they really sell are seminars. My seminars are five bucks, six bucks. Sometimes they're free. Whatever money I raise at the door, I give to charity. I'm not trying to pay for an expensive suit. I have a couple expensive suits, not a lot. I don't like suits. I think this is the wrong message. When I'm on TV, I've got a great jacket, great tie. I don't wear ties. Great jacket, great shirt. Nice belt, but I wear jeans. You just never see them. So, clothes are typically a bad investment. A friend of mine, I saw her closet last year. And I'm going, ooh, risky. She had a walk-in closet that was stuffed of clothes. Now, first and foremost, you can't take care of that many clothes. But second, it's expensive. Steve Jobs with his jeans and black turtleneck. Are you kidding me? Perfect. 
Why, why use your brain to think of other things? Why try to figure out what you're going to wear today? I swear, this is hilarious. I dated a girl in high school, uh, college, out of college, named Juliet, graphic designer, great person. But every night at 10 o'clock, she would go into her closet and look at her closet for 20 minutes on what she was going to wear the next day. Can you imagine? I guess you can. Some people can. The value of a high-quality financial advisor is a multiple of what he costs. That's all that matters. Successful friends, neighbors, colleagues are good sources of referrals for financial professionals. Perhaps. But in the end, you have to trust yourself. But you should interview a couple people you work with, financially speaking. In the end, it's so easy to create wealth on your own, but it's so tough to manage wealth on your own. The hard part's over once you've figured out that you have to trust people, you have to have empathy, you have to have a mission. You've got to be able to make sure that they can you know, stay disciplined and not get greedy or greedy fearful. That's the toughest part. So if you want to get inevitable wealth... You start looking at, now that I've got a plan, I know how much I want in life. I know how I'm going to fund it. I know how I'm going to work with. I know it to be index funds or exchange-traded funds or individual stocks or a combination thereof. You now have to look at stocks and bonds and real estate as birthday presents. Your best birthday presents ever. If you look at it like, I just got a place out in Stockton. That's not as good as, woo! I got a rental lot just outside Palo Alto. Like, you really don't want to settle for second best or third best or fourth best. You know, Warren Buffett says, look at life as you only get 20 investment decisions, you'll make far better decisions. I say look at your decisions as birthdays. Make them the best possible because you only get so many of them. Just Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. AM 1220 KDO. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. words. I'm paid by the hour, not by the word. <coughs> Excuse me. It's coffin hack season. Which is right about coming up to the grab your crotch season of baseball. And spit. Um equity, buying a stock. Buying a mutual fund is buying a lot of stocks. 
a mutual fund might be 20 stocks that, you know, let's say it's large cap companies like GE and JP Morgan and Intel and Apple. And if one of those stocks gets in trouble, it doesn't really hurt you. If one of the stocks gets into a home run, it doesn't really help you because you're diversified. You're playing more large corporate America at that point in time or large corporations. But what you do when you buy stock, you're getting equity. You've heard about preferred stocks. You don't know much about it. Preferred stock is a little bit of a common stock, and it's a little bit of a bond. I would look at equity as, you know, when stock equity is, you know, one of the three. When you own a corporation, you are an owner of the company. It is not a casino chip. It is not a lottery ticket. It is not a bet. It's an investment. You become an owner. So as an owner, what sort of business do you want to run? Do you want to run a McDonald's? It's been around for how many years? 60 years, 70 years? Probably will be around another 60, 70. Do you want to run a Togo's? Did they do as well against Subway? You have to look at stocks as ownership. And when you do that, you'll start becoming a better stock picker. You will participate in the profits. They give dividends. They do share buybacks. You become a more significant owner. But you also share in the risks of the business. If the business doesn't get sales, your value of your company goes down. If the company doesn't earn money, they have to go out and borrow money, the value of your company goes down. A lender to the business takes, you know, the only risk that the collateral won't be enough to repay the loan. So bonds who lend money to businesses, they typically get it collateralized. And there's a lot less risk in a bond than there's in a stock. But a stock gives you a lot more reward than in a bond. And in between you get the preferred, a little bit of both. So the owner of a business takes a lot more risk than a lender and that should make perfect sense to you. It seems logical to you. The crazier the stock idea, like when Facebook came out, a lot of people wanted to own the IPO. The downside about that is is that there was private shareholders, private equity, that was selling to the public, and there was a shift there. They've made money. And if they thought they were going to make a lot more money, they probably would have held on to their private equity and turned it into public equity. But they said, you know what, we're ringing the cash register. Now, maybe they ring the cash register for nefarious reasons. Maybe their goal was something along the lines of, I think the stock's going to zero. I think, you know, insiders have made nothing but money on this one. A guy named Zuckerberg's worth billions and billions and billions of dollars, even though the company hasn't even made a million-dollar profit. So there's some risk in that. But now, say five, ten years from now, when the private equity that wants out is gone, and it's all public equity or mostly public equity, not completely, but you get the idea, there's a lot less risk in it because the people, not everyone's already made money in it who are selling. So try to be smart as you're pretty so be wise. Wolves may lurk in every guise. When you're looking at stocks to buy, you know, you start with the top. You start with management. 
Compounded annual growth rates in the last 75 years. Small cap stocks have averaged 12.4%. Large cap stocks averaged 11.2%. Corporate bonds, 5.8%. Real estate, 5%. Government bonds, 5.3%. Government bonds haven't averaged that in the last 10 years. If you strip out inflation, small caps jump from 12.4% down to 9.3%. Large cap jumps from 11.2 down to 8.1. Government bonds jump from 5.3 down to 2.2. So if you strip out taxes, small caps started, remember when I told you the annual growth rate, was 12.4% down to 9.3. Now when you add in taxes, 5.8%. There's a pretty big difference from getting 5.8% return on your investments versus 12.4%. So government bonds will grow at about less than 1% when you add in taxes and inflation. You have to add those two boogeymen in. They're part of the risk. All the common sense that I could throw out at you, all the life experience that I could throw out at you, tells you that owners of good business make more money than, than lenders if only because they take on more risk. So risk isn't a bad thing. There's all types of risk. Currency risk, headline risk, inflation risk. When you invest in stocks, you're an owner of a business. When you invest in bonds, you're a lender to businesses. Over the incredibly varied 75-year period that I've studied, which is a proxy for the long term, because keep in mind, you really only invest from age 20 to 60, and you kind of manage that from 60 to 75, if you're lucky, you make it to 85, and suddenly you're 65 years of a 75-year look-backsy. Is it possible that in the future, return relationships will be different? Absolutely. It's probable. In the future, the real rate of return of equities will likely continue to be some multiple of debt. That's probably the truest secret I could teach from economics. How much incremental risk do you have to take in order to capture premium? But again, what is risk? Risk is what Franklin Roosevelt once said. When he said, so first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I can assure you we're all going to die. I can assure you that this earth is going to go hurtling into the sun at some point in time. And every, every mansion... Carmelo Anthony of the New York Knicks pays $27,000 a month to rent an apartment in New York City. And that apartment's going to go up in flames, just like the Unabomber shack in the woods, up in flames. I know you're saying, good pull on the Unabomber. Love, love people who have to try to be right. So what the real risk isn't, is that you don't understand risk. Misperception of risk is what kills you. The email that I got today from the guy, Michael, and I love it. Like, why would he even bother writing this to me? Like, what's the point? The stock market recently broke even. Gold's risen 100% during that same period of time. In the next three years, gold will be up another 100%. He thinks gold's going to be up another 100% in three years. You know what I would do if I were him? I'd sell the computer that he's writing the email on and invest it in gold. 
I'd quit my job and invest it in gold. I'd start scrapping coins and investing in gold. Everything I could find that's not bolted down, I would sell and invest in gold, if he thinks that. Mike in San Francisco is smoking crack cocaine. He could be the idiot of the day, if not the idiot of the month, but he's leaning towards the idiot of the year. Making a prediction like that is ridiculous. Or, using the word ridiculous in its truest form, it's ridiculous. Anyone who uses the word ridiculous is ridiculous. Therefore, it is ridiculous. He's someone who doesn't know how to pick stocks. He's someone who doesn't know how to diversify. And thus he gloms onto anything that he can see. Who won the World Series? Or who won uh, let's do Stanley Cup? Because that's only going to... Okay, well, the World Series. The Giants have won two out of the last three World Series, right? Pretty impressive. What are the odds that they're going to do it again? I'm not, I'm not betting my house on it. In 100 plus years, they win it two times. I'm not going to go out and put, you know, I'm going to say this is going to be the winner, winner, chicken dinner. The Yankees have the most perennial success of winning the World Series, basically once every four or five years. I don't think they're going to win this year. They got an old team. I think they should blow up the team for draft picks or blow up the team for something. I think you're saying, what are you talking about, Yankees? In fact, I'll go as far as to ascribe my favorite twin this year. I actually don't have a favorite twin this year. I haven't, I haven't even thought much about it. But the fact that the pitcher from uh, the Detroit Tigers either dated or dates Kate Upton, even though she comes across as, well, how shall we say, third grade education. It's funny. The real long-term return of equities is so much greater than that of bonds, that holding bonds is irrational for somebody who's truly seeking wealth. While stocks are much more volatile than bonds, sometimes horrifically so, the passage of time evens itself out. If you take a look at the stock market in the last 100 years, it slowly, slowly goes up an ascent of a hill. During that 100 years, there's been wars, there's been nuclear strikes, there's been presidents killed, there's been governments overthrown. And it still goes up. to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Talking all things financial money, investing more. You can find me at Facebook fan page. Cron4 Rob Black. Cron4 Rob Black. You can find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. You can find me at YouTube, Rob Black Show. So, I'm always intrigued by people who try to be right. I think playing the game is much, much more important than being right. 
It's like teaching your kid if you don't score three goals. If you don't do everything right today, you're a loser. Which I guess is fair. Especially if you're poor and you really need that kid to get that scholarship. Yeah. One day I'm going to look into adoption. I'm going to ask the adoption agency, any chance you got like a, a seven-footer? Any chance you got a seven-footer lying around the orphanage? Like, I'll take a seven-footer. Any babies that can palm a basketball? Well, I'll take a baby who can palm a basketball. So, a couple more things. There's periods of time where stocks roll. And you've got to be careful on these periods of time. 2009, 10, 11, 12 was a rolling period. 2008 was a transition. 2013, still left to figure out where exactly it goes, but it started off up 10% on the Dow in the first couple of months. So it's a phenomenally curative aspect of capitalism. Over a five-year period in the last 75 years, there's been 824 periods of five years. You'll see stocks roll 93% of the time, 99% of the time, 100% 100% of the time, where you're looking at indexes. Where you look at the bull market top versus the bottom, that's what the role is. Um, for instance, a rolling period on the negative side is very upsetting. A rolling period on the positive side is incredibly greed-inducing. In 1946, from May 29th, 1946 to May 17th, 1947, 353 days, the market was down 23%. Oh, no. Then there was a period of time in the 60s, from December 68 to May 70, where it was down 35%. 539 days, ultimately, of feeling like it's going down nonstop before it hits bottom and starts moving higher. That would, some people would call it correction. Some people would call it bear market. But we know intellectually that the up periods way outlast the down periods. And remember I told you I got an email this morning from Jack Monkey Michael? Where he's quoting a period of time in the market. And he doesn't even quote it correctly, which is hilarious. He says in the last three years, the stock market's done nothing. Actually, in the last three years, the stock market's up 120%. So what he was trying to say was during the 2000s, it was a struggle. But that's not fair either, because he's picking the absolute high and putting it into terms that he likes. If you were to compare it to gold, go with the 20-year, go with the 30-year, go with the 40-year. Don't go with the 10-year where you're picking, this was the point of height. Because if you're going to give me the negatives of 2000s, I want the positives of the 1990s in that study. I don't want your little bullet shot into the craziness that is your mind, Mike. You delusional, sick sociopath. I'm not even going to put you in the wood chipper for fear of spreading your genetics 
unto other people and other things that might eat you. You're dirty, you're tainted, you're not good. Go listen to your Glenn Becks. Go listen to your conspiracy theories. I welcome it. Because once again, when Kim Jong-il-un does throw a nuclear missile our way, I'll be more attracted to the ladies. You'll have your gold, I'll have my shotguns. And I don't actually own any shotguns, but I should get some shotguns, because I do think Kim Jong-il-un is going to try to do something stupid at some point in time. Was that my shotgun? Nice. I guess I do have a shotgun. Um, so, Mr. Pitiful versus Mr. Pathetic. If you go back to 1979, let's call it 1980, 80 to 90, 10 years, 90 to 2000, 10 years, 2000, 2012, 2000, 2000 so that's 32 years, right? If you invested $10,000, invested the market yearly high and the yearly low, in a perfect case scenario, where you bought low, you'd be worth $1.8 million. And that's when you're buying that year at the high, okay, for the last 32 years. Now, on the other side of it, if you're pitiful and you're buying at the absolute high, not the low, so you're pitiful, you're buying at the high of the year, your return would be 28%, you'd have $1.4 million. So the difference between 282 and 299 doesn't sound statistically like much, but it is. It actually turns out in this case to be about $400,000. So in the last 30 years, if you invested every year $10,000, you'd be worth $1.8 million or $1.4 million. Now, again, there's going to be some statistical variances for that based on taxes and income. But that's what $10,000 will get you over your lifetime. Can you afford $10,000 a year? That's a lot of money for a lot of people. And for others, it's not that much. you got to find that money. This is Rob Black of Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. Want to improve the way you market your business? Punch, media and marketing made easy. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Stock market seems to ebb and flow a lot. Anything that you want to talk about? 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. I'm kind of... If you go back and listen to the podcast today, and you may have only caught 15 minutes here or 15 minutes there. I'm trying to do a two hours on how to look at wealth, how to create wealth, simple wealth. So this is for people not in retirement. This is for people who are just starting to save. You know, the lessons keep coming back again and again that you need a goal. You need to fund that goal. You need to pick someone that you want to work with that you trust. I don't like Edward Jones. I don't like Scott Trade. I prefer you do it yourself until you're wealthy. And then once you get to wealth, I think it's smart to turn it over to someone. I think interviewing someone to work with is always important. Find out what product they use. Find out if you believe that they can stay mature in a healthy market. If they can stay greedy 
in a down market, if they could stay fearful in an up market. Like I, I'm not saying eliminate greed and fear. I'm saying use them in opposite when you think you should. Know that the biggest rate of risk is is risk itself, not knowing what's out there. The demon unknown. Inflation historically has been a risk. Taxes have been a risk. What you can get now for your dollar, you can't get anymore. And that's like why we get angry about minimum wage. We go, you've been paying people minimum wage for years and years and years, and you haven't adjusted it for inflation. And yet, I know the price of a pizza has gone up. I know the price of a car has gone up. So we live in a nation where the poor are getting poor because their earnings don't get changed for inflation. It's not that they don't have opportunities. I've seen some very poor people become wealthy. I think it's a little bit easier to be wealthy to become wealthier, speaking from that wealthy side of the fence. So what is real risk? Real risk is, you know, knowing that things that you don't know are going to come hit you. You already know about inflation, and you already know about taxes. Stocks outperform bonds. Bonds outperform real estate. Historically, I'm good with that. There's a lot of ebbing and flowing on the market. I wish the stock market could be what it's been in 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. When I turned 61, 62, 63, 64, if I knew that those final four years were going to be glorious, I might, I'm not going to say murder someone because I work with a Christian radio station. How about, can I stone someone? No, 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 no. That's Middle Eastern. That's, I go that direction. What can I do that would be ludicrous? I might eat chocolate during Lent. There we go. Um, and I'm kidding a little bit. But I want the up years right before I retire. I really don't care until I get there. Now, again, do I want 30 years of negative before I get there? No. Historically, that's not the way it works. Look at the number, you know, behavioral is what's interesting to note, is that a lot of people gave up on the market in 2000, 2001, 2002, only to see great performance, only to see bad performance, only to see great performance. Anyone who wants to show you their side of the story can, by depending on when they show you the start of their story. If you were to start investment stories in January of 2000, right after we had the greatest 10 years ever in the history of the bull market. It's unfair. Because, yeah, we were overvalued. We probably should have been more at 7,500 versus 10,000. Probably should have been more at 8,500 versus 12,000. We did get ahead of ourselves. I think we kind of got ahead of ourselves because we saw on the Super Bowl commercial the monkey riding the rocket. Who doesn't want to buy stocks when you see a monkey on a rocket going higher? And that was an E-Trade commercial, and we waited for the next E-Trade commercial. Yes, you too could be a stay-at-home stock picker. It was ridiculous. Now again, I love stock picking. I love being the monkey on the rocket, but not with all my money. You have to know that some bad times come with a good. 
And that's when you want to continue to invest. It's called dollar cost averaging. You have to know that over time this market goes up 7 out of 10 years. And that's why you want to be investing in the bad years, because you get better returns on the upside. $6.2 billion. It's a huge number, right? It's roughly how much Warren Buffett personal shareholdings declined in value in one month of August of 1998. 45 days. He, was, he lost $6.2 billion in Berkshire Hathaway. Now for the real question. And I'll let number seven answer this on air. Number seven? Are you paying attention to the show today? Okay. So Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway, it went down $6.2 billion in 45 days. How much did he really lose during those 45 days? He's shaking his hand. Zero. Zero is the right answer because he didn't sell. So you don't lose anything in a down market unless you sell. Russ is smart. Number seven gets it again. Yay. Oh. I just got a Groupon offer that is a weight loss deal. It's an all-you-can-eat Indian buffet. Because I know when I'm done with that one, I'm getting some leakage. Oh, so you don't lose anything if you don't sell. Buffett had no need to withdraw his capital. He had great faith in his holdings. He had equally strong faith in the long-term trends of the world. And he didn't panic. Those four things are qualities that make for great investors. You know, at one point in time... In the crash of 1987, which is really the biggest, most notable crash that we've had probably of my lifetime, my investment lifetime, he lost $345 million. But he didn't lose because he didn't panic. And that's why he's one of the wealthiest people in the world. He's made his money investing. He didn't make his money from being like Trump's daddy inherited it. Fear has a greater grasp on human action than does the impressive weight of historical evidence that if you can wait it out, you're going to be okay. We've seen this time and time again. Now, again, don't go out and quote me on this. I bought a little dollar stock that went to 50 cents, and Rob said wait it out. I didn't say that. So $68 billion, 45 days. You can get kind of creepy out there. You can follow me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Facebook fan page, Cron4, Rob Black. And YouTube, Rob Black Show. to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Second. 
Australian beer. Got my moisturizer that I'm putting on my face. Everyone should wear a little SPF 15. Moisturizer. There's no sense in looking like an old raisin. There's no sense in getting melanoma. You with me against me? So this weekend, come on over to my house. I'm having a, a personal party. It's going to be lay down on the ground, put a board on your chest, and slowly pile rocks upon you until you're crushed. It is a metaphor for most people's lives. You start out young, you're beautiful, you're happy, and in the end you get squished by a board of rocks. Slowly but surely, painfully but but truly, it happens to us all. I know you're saying, you've kind of gone negative, Black. My advice to you, start drinking heavily. Ferris Bueller? Animal House. Ah. I should have known that one. Now I feel bad. Um, simple wealth, inevitable wealth. Number seven and I. Number seven's my seventh producer, so I just call him number seven, because I'm sure there'll be number eight. Actually, I'm not so sure. I'm leaning towards there'll be a number two before there's a number seven, or eight, and number two being host over... It's a race for the host to get fired or the ta- or the producer to get quit out of frustration. Um, so you got to get a million plus dollars. And like I said, from 1980 to 2010, if you put in $10,000 a year, and let's say you bought it at the year high. Like let's say today is the year high and then the rest of the year it goes down. And let's say in July it's the lowest point of the year and you bought $10,000 then. So you buy it once a year at the year high. Eh, maybe you make a mis- you do well and you buy it at the low. The low would represent perfection. The high would represent you were pitiful. But ten thousand for those thirty plus years, markets average twenty nine point nine percent returns. The gold hasn't. So go screw yourself, gold bugs. Jump in my wood, wood, Darwinian wood chipper. Face first. Wouldn't the city of San Carlos be happy to know that I've got a Darwinian wood chipper in back? Hey, that looks like a tree grinder upper. Nah, look a little closer. No, no, really, look a little closer. Ah! So the difference of if those 30 years of putting $10,000 in at the top to bottom. million versus 1.4 million. Do you still realize it's 1.4 million dollars? Hopefully no one drove off the side of the road. People fatally misrepresent risk. They overestimate the risk of holding stocks. They underestimate the risk of not holding them. The long-term risk of stocks to principal historically doesn't exist. No 15-year periods since 1926 shows a negative return. And since the end of World War II, the longest it's taken for the SP 500 to recover from a bear market is three and a half years. With dividends included. The world doesn't end. People fear that it's ending. Capitalism doesn't die. Yeah, maybe it gets some flavors of socialism, but maybe we need some flavors of socialism. Because we got some flavors of capitalism. On occasion, one may win over. Volatility isn't risk. People think it is. No panic, no sell, no sell, no lose. 
fear has a greater grasp on the human action than history. No one can time the market. Anyone? I heard, oh my gosh, I heard the funniest commercial. We call that protect and defend or protect and proceed. We call that, we know when the market's going down, so we're going to protect you. That's laughable. If that's the case, you would have an island. Because all you would ever be doing is making money on your money. Your money would make little baby monies, and your little baby monies would make little baby monies. Oh, it's a baby. Babies are so cute. I love babies. Put a little Nutella on them. Mmm. Baby sandwich. I'm not a big mayonnaise guy. I know you're saying, that's an insight. You want Nutella? Or mayonnaise? You must be European communist. Satchel Page once said, it's not what you don't know that hurts you. It's what you know that just ain't so. And I don't really know what that means. But I thought I'd say it because it sounds like I'm a smart money guy when I say it. Consumer price inflation, I think, is what that's all about. And let me throw this out there for you. It's not what you don't know that hurts you. It's what you know that just ain't so. So in 1975, you can get a stamp for 10 cents. Now a stamp is 44 cents. In 1975, the United States Postal Service was the slowest delivery service in the nation. 45 years later, it's still the slowest delivery service in the nation. The more things change, the more they stay the same. So you have to save more because things that you do cost more. You know, it's against the law to put a real image of a stamp in writing. Like if I were to come up with a book called The Cost of Inflation, I can't put a, like an Elvis love stamp. Was there an Elvis love stamp or was it just a love stamp? And why do we love Elvis so much? He was a fat, bloated drug dealer, drug user, who died on the toilet. You know, I got kicked out of Graceland once. I made the silly mistake in college of wanting to see Graceland because I figure everyone should see something like the biggest pile of yarn or the biggest ball of yarn. For me, it was Graceland. So I got pretty liquored up. I was in college, forgive me. And uh, I go to Graceland and I go, can I see the toilet that Elvis died on? And whoops, that's the wrong thing to say. <laughs> Elvis had a, a saying that I didn't know called taking care of business in a flash. And for basically 40 miles around Graceland, everyone sells Elvis junk and takes advantage of the man's staff. And they got me out of that building in a flash, I'll tell you that. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. So when you start singing that and you're wanting to see the, the toilet and you want a picture on it, you want to recreate it and have vomit on yourself. His colon weighed over 40 pounds upon his time of death. I don't know if that's normal or not, but it doesn't sound good. So a conservative retiree versus a risky retiree versus a safe retiree. These are all concepts that you have to you know, look at yourself. My mom's lucky. She's got a pension that adjusts for inflation. Most people won't. You know, in 1970, you could buy a car for 3000 bucks. In 2000, it's 30000 bucks. In 2010, it's forty dollars to $50,000. The average American family can't afford a new car today. 
I know you're saying, what's the average American family? I want to see what that looks like. You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. Twitter, Rob Black Show. Online, robblack.com. AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Muppets version. I know I just offended somebody with that statement. I know you're saying Muppets. Good God, man. Please, stay off the juice at night. So not owning equities during a 30-year period, it proves fatal to wealth. I'm not saying you have to do a 40-year period, because I know when you're talking to 20-year-old kids, that that makes no sense. Like, I got vodka in my refrigerator. Like, I don't eat frozen food. Like, is that juice fresh? Because I only like fresh juice. My mother used to wake up and make me fresh juice. I've never drank from concentrate. Blame it on our culture. When all it means, money, is currency, that it stores no value, knowing that its purchases will erode over time. The risk isn't losing money, it's outliving money. So go ahead and be negative Nelly, but you're going to be the one who, who hurts, who doesn't gain. Investments that get ravaged by decades of rising living costs, they're not able to preserve money. Bonds and CDs are risky. Conservative and speculative, I don't like. I like somewhere in between. There's no such thing as no risk, because you will always be subjected to inflation risk. Ralph Waldo Emerson, he was a peer of Thoreau's. I think also a peer of Satchel Pages, but I'm not quite sure. Money, which represents the prose of life and which is hardly spoken of in parlors without an apology, isn't in its effects laws as beautiful as roses. I mostly agree with that statement. You know, money will get you everything that you want. Like, I, I want a hot chick. Yes, money can get me a hot chick. I want beautiful, sunny beaches in Mexico. Yes, money can get me that. I want to retire and play with the grandkids. Yes, 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 yes. So you set goals in dollar-specific, date-specific terms. You establish a plan for those. You invest the same dollar amounts at regular intervals so you don't get greedy or fearful. You meet retirement income needs via systemic withdrawal. You never, ever do things in big chunks. When you get a big chunk of money, you invest it. Not over time, but now. I told you there's a chart that I could refer you to that over 35 years that there's no difference between investing at the high or the low of any given year. 
yeah, let's say you do it wrong for 30 straight years, that would be tragic. So a cabin on the lake someday isn't a goal. A cabin on the lake when I'm 62 and getting in Social Security of 18000 and I've saved $500,000 so I can pay myself fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 a year, that's a goal. Because you got age, you got time, you got dollar amounts. You need to revisit that goal every three to five years. You need to look at different rates of return. You never need to assume the high end. I know some people back in the 90s, that they modeled their rate of return for 15%. If I get 15% every year on my money, then this is when I could retire. Too high. So understand that 8% returns on $100,000 for five years gets you 1360 bucks. 8% for 10 years gets you 546 bucks. Number of years towards retirement, like the longer out you are, the smaller the number is. So $100,000 when you're 20, uh, 35, you're going to retire at 60. 8% is only going to get you 105 bucks, but by the time you're five years away, it's going to get you 1300 bucks because that money compounds and it compounds and it compounds. So time is on your side. I can't say it any other way. Total investment of $24,000 will grow a lot for you. $1,000 won't. 2000 won't. 24000 will become 50000 in seven, eight years. That will become 100000 in 15, 20 years. Add another seven to ten years on that. So your initial forty-eight thousand, suddenly two hundred thousand dollars over you know twenty-one year, twenty-two year period. It's tough to get that kind of money though, because most of us were paycheck to paycheck in our twenties, or we're paycheck to paycheck to emergency, or we're paycheck to paycheck to we've saved some money and now we get married and she wants a thirty thousand dollar wedding. Equities don't make people wealthy. People make themselves wealthy. You've got to control your behavior. Expensive weddings will kill you. Expensive cars will kill you. Expensive vacations will kill you. Not having an emergency fund where you have to sell your investments will kill you. Wanting to have a car that you can name. People who name their cars are a little bit weird. People with more than two cats, definitely weird. People who have cars that are named with two cats or more. Criminally insane in the wood chipper. Please, please. Wait. There we go. Wood chipper was firing up a little slowly today. It's and cold outside. Can you write down your investment plan? If not, you need to. Dollar cost averaging is a great thing to do. If you can do this where you say, I want a million or two million dollars, go get out your Excel spreadsheet, put a million dollars in the bottom line, Take how many years you got left and how many months and how much money you can put in on a monthly basis, what you can get on an annual basis. And now you're starting to get there. You probably can't afford to take out more than 4% a year in retirement. 
So that's another thing that you're going to have to start thinking about once you turn 50 and you have that million to $2 million. How much money can you pull out safely and effectively? Buy stocks before you spend any other money. So your 401k, your 403b, your 457 should be the first thing that you spend money on. Before you pay for rent, before you pay for a mortgage, before you pay for a diamond ring. To everything, there's a season and time to every purpose. I like small cap funds. They've been the best performers in the last 30 years. I like international funds. They've been the best performers in, you know, in the 2000s when things were struggling. They were doing great. Late 2000s, they did horrible. Let's see, I just got an email. Let's see if anyone's hating me today. Oh, postage stamp now, 46 cents. I didn't know that. I don't go to the post office much. Everyone, everyone should pay bills electronically. You know what the coolest things about 2013, 2014 is going to be? How many mobile apps we have? Like, I've got a credit card. I know you're saying, you've got a credit card? Yes, I'm kind of a big deal. The banks lend me money. They trust me because I'm a high roller. They say, here, go out and spend $2,000 a month. Just make sure you pay it back or we're going to charge you 18%. People know me. So on my Capital One card, because I'm a Capital One kind of guy, um, I've got an app for it, and I can pay my bill automatically. Love that. In fact, right now, I can pull up my balance and say, ooh, I'm dangerously close. Don't want to go over. And I can send in a payment. Sending in little payments every two or three times a month helps build your credit more so than paying it off at the end of the month if you're trying to build credit. With that said, that's going to be a huge story of 2013-14. And that's where banks are going to make a little bit more money. I know there's, there's moaners and groaners. There's whiners and complainers. I'd like some cheese with that wine. That are like, I'm not going to invest in banks. People aren't going to do mortgage transactions because they've already done them. Well, first and foremost, not everyone hasn't done a mortgage transaction. But I get your point. But have you been in a bank recently? There's a girl in Bank of America that I almost want to go make deposits just so I can talk to her. Love that. Dirty old man. Just, ah, youth. I'm like, can I touch you? I feel like Lord Palpatine from Star Wars. Just this old, old, old guy who's been on the planet for thousands of years. But there's one person in the bank now. She looks like she's all of 12. And then there's like four managers huddling around. But a lot of people are doing mobile banking. And you're going to see mobile banking take off because it's a way for banks to fire people. And it's easy. And you don't actually... My bank, you have to have a special parking place. Hate it. Hate it. There's a bell that you can ring that if you have good service, you ring the bell. And I refuse to do that. But I'll say, anyone ring your bell today? She goes, that's a weird... Innuendo, get out of here. Police, police. And then I break into a sprint just to play into the whole police angle. Yeah, but mobile apps are going to be big this year. Mobile banking apps. Um, I like, I look at things typically in four ways. Hyper growth, growth, growth and income, and income. Whether it's a mutual fund, whether it's a country, 
whether it's sector, whether it's stock. Hypergrowth, growth, growth and income, and income. Hypergrowth gets you in trouble. Income underperforms you. It's a Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KBOW and iHeart Radio Station. In future episodes, I'll talk more about price to sales ratios. Price to earnings ratios, debt to equity. Is the company paying their dividend with cash flow, or is the company paying their dividend with raising capital via share offerings? I try to make this a little bit dumbed down for you, because I'd rather you know the basics than get into concepts that that you might fail at. I love international stocks. I love small cap stocks. I love mid-cap stocks. I love large-cap stocks. I love growth stocks. I love value stocks. I love good income stock. For me, I might need a, a mix that is a little bit more less volatile. For you, if you haven't saved enough, you might need a little bit more volatility. So know that about yourself. You know, five-year results are important to look at. Ten-year results are important to look at. Um, I think that's important. Why? Because you can see how a stock did in a good economy, a bad economy, or a mutual fund in a good economy or bad economy. We've had a recession. We've had a dip towards a second recession. Ten plus years ago, we had a terrorist act. Somewhere in between, we had a a war in Iraq. Somewhere before that terrorist act, we had a war and a brief recession. Somewhere before that, we had a a budget surplus. So there's no foul in taking a look at a chart. I'm not saying a stock's going to have its worst performance day ever on terrorists. No. How about terrorist recession? Maybe. So you know how bad it can get. From 1990 to 1995, international stocks were up 20%. From 1995 to 2000, they're up 9%. Aggressive stocks from 1990 to 1995 were up 9%. Aggressive stocks from 1995 to 2000 were up 16%. Those are massive changes. So don't follow the winner. Low turnover in a portfolio is a character trait that usually leads to lower expenses and more tax efficiency. Two things eat away your performance, taxes and inflation. Average American holds a mutual fund for about three years. That's not enough. No, no, yeah, that's that's not enough. It's too little. Every single day, I start off my day with a little meditation. I think of all the positives. 
I bless myself that I was born in a country that has so much opportunity. I try to ignore any of the negatives that you can get caught up in. I don't hold a grudge for more than a day. I may nuke you, but I don't hold a grudge past that. I try to teach others the right way to accumulate wealth. I hope I can teach their kids kids one day, but it probably won't happen. I'm slowly but surely getting sick and tired of this. I hate you all. That's what I've learned. As nice as I can be, as educational as I can be, I'll say, hey, I'm going to do a, a free get-together in your neck of the woods, and two people will show up. And the rest of you will be watching Matlock. I think you're saying Matlock. I know. Or Rhoda. On a very special Rhoda. I always love those very special shows. On a very special Blossom. Blossom runs into a bottle of booze. I know. Blossom, the the ugly kid who played the ugly kid who played in Wings, where she's the young Bette Midler. Can you imagine your career being playing the ugly person, the younger version of them? Like, look, I like Showtime. I like being in the media, but at least I didn't have to play the ugly kid to do it, or the fat kid. So remember, no sector style of equity investing is consistently going to outperform, not even gold. Don't confuse the issue of indexing with active management. You know, mutual funds can be exchange-traded funds. Mutual funds can be index funds. I love a good actively managed fund, like the Matthews funds I like. They go out to India, they go out to China. I'm not going to China, you know why? Because I don't like Chinese food. I like American Chinese food. I like P.F. Chang's Chinese food. P.F. stands for Paul Fleming. It's a New York restaurateur. I fear that if I go to China, it's, they're going to be like, here's the, uh, a whole fish head that we deep fry for you. Enjoy. I'm like, I don't eat fish head and eyeballs. Oh, and here's the the monkey intestines. General Tso's monkey's intestines. No, 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 no. So when I buy international mutual funds, I tend to go for the actively managed ones from Matthew Funds or something similar. You can find something similar where they actually have teams in those countries. I couldn't tell you the currency in some countries. Honestly, some countries I probably couldn't find on a globe. Which, if you ever want to do a fun game today, here's a fun game at lunch with your coworker. Write down to the 50 states. I bet you don't get over 44. I guarantee you, you don't get over 44. Unless, of course, you're a nerd. And then I'm going to call you geography nerd. So, I don't know. It's a lose-lose scenario for you. Never go for the panacea du jour. At the end of the day, count on yourself. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.